This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Walk in the Light, and it comes from 1 John 1, 5 through 10. But before we start our lesson today, we're talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Our mail is your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. And last, you can give through our WMER app, which is free. All you have to do is go to WMERWorldwide.com, our website, and there you can download the app for free. Right there on the website, we have links to download it. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved at a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Google or iTunes or Amazon or Spotify. We're there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Well, last week we started off with an introduction to 1 John, and we studied about the beginning. And we went through a quick overview of the first of three letters that John wrote. Now, these letters are different than what Paul writes. There's no introduction and there's no salutation at the bottom based on the style compared to the book of john it's the same john that writes both of these as well as revelation if you also remember in the opening i told you that john is addressing christians and he's addressing the church and largely because there's a lot of sloppy living going on it's very similar to what we see in the christian church today but he's also addressing a thing called gnosticism where they believed that Jesus was just a human and that when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him. And so the Holy Spirit was separate from Jesus and the Holy Spirit controlled him. And then when he died on the cross, the Holy Spirit went back. Now, we know that's not true. And John starts off by saying, hey, we heard him teach. We saw him teach. We saw him heal the sick. We saw him, and we can testify that Jesus was the Son of Man. He was the life. And we got into what does it mean, the life? Well, John had been with Jesus, and he heard Jesus say that he was the source of life. He was the bread of life, that he was the supplier of the living water of life, that he was the breath of life. And that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the light of men. All those are covered in the book of John. We also talked about how Jesus came into the world to bring life. He was equal to God the Father, but he made himself man. He stepped out of heaven and he gave his power so that he could become the son or he could be man. And then we wrapped up that life was manifested 
so that we could have fellowship. And we talked about fellowship, a vertical fellowship that was with God Almighty, as well as a horizontal fellowship with the, the church body. Well, today we're going to wrap up First John chapter 1. We're going to look at walk in the light. And we're going to see in verse 5 how that, that fellowship gives us the ability to walk in the light and have fellowship with God who came and made himself flesh and dwelt among us. So if you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, we'll start in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And we're going to stop right there and unpack this first sentence. So first, he's repeating what he said in the first four verses. He's saying, this is what we heard. Remember, he's talking about how God was man and he was named Jesus Christ and that he walked among us. And this is what we heard him teach. And he proclaimed to not only us, but to others that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So first, John is teaching us that this is the message. I'm claiming authority through Jesus Christ. This is the message that he gave. I'm not making this up. This isn't my opinion. This is what God taught. You know, you can't be confident in your own opinion or your own ideas. The Bible teaches us that God teaches that his ways are different from our ways. His thoughts are different from our thoughts. What John wants us to understand is that this is what God told us about himself. And so John now starts with God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And that's a fundamental, very simple understanding statement, that God called himself light, and by the definition of light, there can be no darkness in light. Now, light will create dark places that it doesn't shine, but where light shines, there is no darkness. This is a very good definition of God, because God is the only infinite, eternal, and unchangeable spirit the perfect being in whom all things begin and continue and end. Another way of saying that God is perfect is to say that God is light. As simple as this statement is, it's also very complex. And what it implies is vast. I feel like John here, though, is not trying to make it complex or trying to make it vast. He's really trying to make two things, and he's declaring that to the readers of this letter, and that is the holiness of God and that God's nature is pure, perfect, and righteous. God is always good and always right. You know, cultures often depict God as good and bad, a yin and a yang. But that is not God. God is always good. God can do no evil and cannot be tempted by evil. Turn to James 1.13 with me real quick. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And then if you jump down to verse 17, we see that God is good. And it says there in verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Interesting that James now uses to describe God the Father as lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So again, we see that he is consistent, he's perfect, and there is no darkness. So I want you to stop and soak this in for a minute, that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Now, we live in a fallen world that's not good, and people have free will, and they choose to do evil things. But we just saw in this one passage of Scripture from, from Jesus' half-brother, James, that he says that God is light, 
and in him there is no darkness. And he also says that God is good and that God will not tempt you. Now, he may allow, remember, God can allow Satan to tempt you, but he will not tempt you. Think about Joseph. Here's a great example of this. Remember when Joseph confronts his brothers and he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Right there's a great example that even something that was bad about him being sold into slavery, having to go through Potter's wife, having to deal with all that, going into jail, and then eventually coming out, God used him for the good, even though it looked bad. So no matter what you're facing today, remember that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. The other thing about light, light has a revealing function. Light unveils our spiritual identity. God is absolute light, and it shows us to be in the darkness. When God shines on us, we see our sin. We become aware of our sin and areas that we need to work on. Again, Jesus said this. Jesus said in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. In other words, God alone can guide us from darkness to light. It's only him. We don't do that. The Holy Spirit and God knocks on our heart and he shows us light and shows us how we're in our darkness. And then we see how these two aspects that John is teaching really is about a relationship with God. Look at verse 6 with me real quick. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie or do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all our sins. And we're going to stop right there and unpack these two verses now. Don't you hate it when you hear someone say they did something or they have something and you know that it's a false claim because it doesn't add up. And that's really what John is saying here. He says, if we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie or we don't practice the truth. John deals with a false claim of fellowship. And based on this, we need to understand that it is possible for someone to claim to have a relationship with God that they don't have. We can also say that it is possible for someone to think that they have a relationship with God that they do not have. Sadly, there are many Christians that aren't aware of their true condition. They say that they are saved and they have experienced some type of conversion and they've repented of something in their life, yet they don't have a true fellowship with God and they still live in sin. The word used in the Greek in the New Testament for repent really is a military term and it means to turn around. It means to have a change. It means to do 180 degrees. How can you still live the same way if you've repented and you've become a Christian and you become a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you want to learn how to parachute. So you go and you go to parachute school and you learn how to rig up all your gear. You learn how to pull the rip cord and land safely. And so the day comes when you're to go up in the airplane up to 10,000 feet. And as you're going up, you become scared to death. And at that point, you say, I'm not going. I'm, I'm going to back out. That is the moment that you repent. Now, somebody tries to push you out because as you look out that airplane door, you see 10,000 feet, your legs are weak, and you're about to throw up, and you say, nope, I've changed my mind. I'm not jumping. I'm not going out. You look at your instructor and you tell him, I'm not going to do it. Go ahead. You can do it, but I've changed my mind. I'm not going to jump. That means you have repented. You had a change, and you changed the way you acted. 
And this is a great illustration of how repentance works. When we truly repent, it changes the way we think, and that change leads to how we live. And John is telling us that if you still live in darkness, then you haven't truly repented. You may have been sorry. It may have been an emotional experience, but you have not truly repented. See, when you truly repent, when you change your mind about something, it'll change how you think about it. It'll change how you talk about it. It'll change how you feel about it. And it will definitely change how you act about it. Paul addresses this in the, to the Romans in Romans 6, where he says, So shall we then continue in sin that grace may abound? See, they were teaching this Gnosticism, and this is what John's addressing as well, that you can live however you want to because it was a spiritual side of you that was separated from the flesh side. And, and Paul's saying, no, you can't. The desire to sin shows a misunderstanding about grace. Either we believe what God says is true and that we have to repent, we have to turn, and we have to change, or we don't, and we're not saved. We're not a true follower of Christ. Paul goes on to say exactly the same thing in Romans 6, starting in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? He's saying we died, our spiritual side died. We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. See, we were baptized in death, and we were created new. We have a new side. We turn. We don't live openly in sin. Now, does it mean we won't ever sin? Absolutely not. I'm not trying to give you an out to say, well, you just told me that I can sin. I'm saying we don't willfully sin. We don't make a decision to live with somebody. We get married because what the Bible teaches. We don't cheat because the Bible tells us that's wrong. We don't willfully make those decisions. Now, will we occasionally tell a lie? Yes, we will. Just that's human nature, and we ask for repentance. But what I'm trying to get you to understand and what John is teaching to this church and against Gnosticism is if you are a part of Jesus, then you walk in the light. And then that light, there's no darkness. And if there's darkness in you, then you don't walk in the light. And so if I put this in simple English, just like John did about that there is no darkness and light, it doesn't matter what you say you are. What matters is what you do. Now, again, I'm not saying that we are saved by works. I'm saying because we're saved, our actions will change. You can claim to have fellowship with God, but if your life doesn't reflect it, then you're lying to yourself, not only to the world, but you're lying to yourself and you're practicing a lie. It's really simple and clear. There is no such thing as a Christian or a follower of Christ who lives in habitual sin. Now, they may say they're a follower of Christ. They may say they're a Christian. But what we're studying right here says there is no Christian who lives in habitual sin. Because once you know Christ, there will be a life change. If there's no life change, there's probably no Christianity there. Many claim the name of Christ, but don't seem to have that life change in their life. They call themselves disciples, believers, followers of Christ, but their lives don't reflect Jesus. And the question you need to understand today is what is the general rule of your life? Since God is life and there is no darkness in him, we must put aside our sinful way of living. To say that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and yet we can live in habitual sin is hypocrisy. That's why there are people in the world today say, I'm not going to that church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Because they live like they want Monday through Saturday, and on Sunday they put on the Christian suit. 
I've got to move on, but I want to make one more point. Walking in darkness means that we are not doing what God has told us to do. It's more than just breaking God's law. It's knowing what to do and not doing it. But now look what happens when we do walk in the light. It says in verse 7 that if we walk in the light just as God is light, then we have fellowship with one another. And what John's point here is, is that if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with Jesus and we follow what he taught through the apostles. If you go back to verse 3, it says that if we walk in the light, that we have fellowship with those around us as well as the Father and the Son. Just like I said earlier, just as we walk in darkness doesn't always mean we don't do some stuff that's right. Walking in the light doesn't mean that we never do what is wrong. See, John's not speaking about living a perfect or sinless life. What he's pointing out is that we don't openly, we don't willfully, we don't choose to live in sin. Walking in light means that the rule of your life is seeking after God and making decisions based on God's word and not your will, but his will. Practicing our lives out of his word. We're following the will of God and we don't ignore it or violate it. And look how he finishes up verse 7. He says that if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, what cleanses us from all our sins. Now, again, this almost will make some people say, well, there you go, Tim. See right there, you're taken out of context because he says that it is a works-based salvation. And no, again, he's talking about the evidence here. What he's implying is that when we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all our sins. And those that walk in the light aren't living perfectly, but they are cleansed from their sins because they walk after God's way and God's will. And I don't know what your theology is. Some are on the left and they say that God's grace covers anything and I can, I can live how I want. I can live without obedience because grace is abundant and it's greater than sin. I can live in the darkness and God will still forgive me. I think John is very clear that this is not the case. You can't walk in darkness and expect God's grace to save you. Now, the other side of it is, though, you have the workspace people. The extreme that says that our obedience makes God love us more, makes God give us more grace. And notice the picture that John paints for us here. So you're striving to walk in the life. It is your purpose to do the will of God. But there are going to be times when you don't walk in the light, that you make a mistake, you tell that lie, you, you accidentally cheat on something, but it wasn't an intentional thing. It was a slip up. It was a mistake. And we do that. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from these sins when we repent of them. Again, the writer of Hebrews says the same thing. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversities. That means that we never accepted that sacrifice. We just were guilty or we felt whatever reason, but we didn't repent. We didn't turn. But the blood of Jesus does cleanse us from our sins if we will return and then we change the way we look and live towards sin. And then look at verse 8 with me how John slams the rest of this chapter home. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just what I said, right? He slams it home. He says that if we say we have no sin, that we don't live in darkness, 
If we say that we're perfect, we're deceiving ourselves. There's no truth in us. We all live a flawed uh, system. But it's through the Holy Spirit that we have our righteousness. It's through Jesus' blood that we have our righteousness. And then he says in verse 9, and this is what we need to know. Every one of you probably already have this underlined in your Bible. If you don't, you should. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, John's dealing with the Gnostics or the false teaching that's making its way into the church. The Gnostics claim to be sinless because Christ had abolished sin once and for all. The idea was that their higher knowledge, their spiritual knowledge, lifted them above the realm of sin, and the flesh side didn't matter. It was a spiritual side that mattered. But he goes on to tell them that if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then you confess your sins. Confession allows us to humble ourselves, be a broken vessel before God, and understand that we aren't a God. And it's important that we confess our sins. Because, again, he says, if we're not honest with ourselves and say we have no sin, then how can we be honest with God? Well, this might make you ask a question, a common question to ask. Once I'm a Christian, what do I do when I sin? Well, John speaks of repentant, confessing a heart which God receives. Notice the promise to us that God is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light means that we're admitting our sins and we're asking for forgiveness. And then when we do fall short again, we don't lose our salvation. We just ask for forgiveness for God to help us, for God to show us, for his light to shine into areas of our life that we're not aware of yet. And as we become more aware, we repent of those as well. But this verse tells us that all unrighteousness will be cleansed when we come to him and we repent, even those things that we're not fully aware of yet. And let's wrap this up. Look at verse 10 with me. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I think this is pretty straightforward, but what it's saying that is if we say we've not sinned, then we make God out a liar. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us is what it says. Notice the outcome of saying we have no sin. John points out not only what saying we have no sin means to us, but what it means to God. He says if we have no sin, we make God a liar. Why do we make God a liar? Well, Romans 3 is very clear. There is no one who is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are saying that God is a liar if we think that we've not sinned. If we think we're good enough that, hey, I grew up in the church, I grew up in a Christian family, I go to church every Sunday, I'm a good person. And there's a lot of people walk around today that if you ask them, why are you, how do you know you're saved? You know what they're going to say? I'm a good person. I, I live right. They're not going to talk about their sin. They're fooling themselves because they say they have no sin. And God is being made into a liar because he says we've all sinned and come short. And because of that, we do not have a relationship with the word of life. If we think we've not sinned, we do not have that life, that life that God promises us. The Gnostics would have asked, what have I done that I need to confess? And if you're standing today and say that you live a good life, you're just like the Gnostics. What do you need to confess? We have much to confess. Think about all the things that we should have done for God that we didn't do. What right things have we not done that should have been done? Does that make God a liar? 
we may have sins that need a continual cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ and that confession that I told you that we do that we don't even know about yet. We all need to confess. We're all sinners, and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm out of time, so I'll close with this quick final thought. God is light. We're to walk in the light of his fellowship. The rule of our life must be that we want to serve God, and we strive by serving him, by following his will and his word and his commandments. And it's more than just praying a prayer. There is a life change. Now, the life change doesn't save you, but the repentance that you did, that's what changes your life. The works comes after the salvation. And maybe today you need to get everything back on order with you. See, in verse 9, it says, If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, if we will just confess our sins, if we'll just turn and repent of those sins, then he will cleanse us. So let me ask as we close today, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in darkness? Now, we can't produce light. And what I mean by that is that Jesus said he is the light. The Father is light. He's the creator of light. And I use the analogy of the moon. The moon doesn't have light. It doesn't produce light. It reflects the sun. We learned that in elementary school. In the same way, if we are Christians, then we reflect the sun. We reflect his life, and we walk in that. And John talks about walking in the light because that is a way of living it out. If we've truly repented, then we walk in a reflection of the sun. And my question that I started with, I'll ask again. Are you walking in the light? Or are you walking in darkness? Jesus told us that we that are in the light must not hide our light. We shouldn't put it under a bushel. We shouldn't hide it. We should let it shine. It shines out to the uttermost parts of the earth. We reflect that light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And we are his reflector. We need to let him shine. Today, there is spiritual darkness all around us that is dying for light. And we need to cast the light so that they can see the Savior, that they can see the answer, and they can come out of the darkness into the security of light. Let us pray. Dear Holy Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for this simple message that you are light. As complex as light can be, the simple message that you are light and in you there is no darkness because there's no darkness in light. That if we are in you and that you live inside of us, then there should be no darkness. That we should be following after you. We should look like you. We should reflect you. Lord, right now I pray for those that this message challenged. For them to look at their life and see, is there darkness that they're walking in? Are they openly choosing to live against your word? Lord, help us understand that some of us have a trouble with sexual immorality. Maybe an idol. Maybe not like a worshiping idol, but an idol of other people. Maybe we are adulterers. Maybe we practice homosexuality. There are those that are thieves or greedy. There are those that are drunkards. See, we were all that. Your word teaches us that. And that none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. But we've been washed when we've repented of our sin and we turn. And we we turn from that sin and we live under your word that we're justified in your blood as we stand before a holy God. 
Lord, I pray for the ones today that they would understand that they have to turn from those things. Lord, that they have to walk away. They cannot practice openly in sin. They can't live in darkness and light at the same time. It's impossible. Lord, I pray to the one that hears my voice today and you are convicting that they will ask for forgiveness. Lord, they will repent and they will turn to you. And maybe there's one that's never done that. They don't claim to be a Christian, but for whatever reason, today was the day that you had them listen to this podcast. Lord, I pray right now that they would ask for forgiveness. Lord, that they would make you Lord of their life. They would say, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need your blood to wash me white as snow. And I claim to make you Lord of my life. It's no longer about me. I die to myself daily and I will chase after you. I'll follow your commandments. Lord, I pray today they'll make that commitment and they'll, they'll chase after you. Lord, we thank you for all your many blessings. We ask it now in your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.